WBNE. Howdy, Oaks. Before we get started today, we want to let you know that this show is Bacon and Eggs. It's a movie lovers podcast. If it's your first time hanging out with us, we're super glad you're here. This week, we're talking about the fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, it's Oscar season. We thought Wes Anderson would be in the Oscars more than he is. Which is uh, none. Which is none. So this is kind of like, well, but here's what we try to do on this show. We try to review movies that are available streaming. And if they're not, we try to tell you where you can watch them and for how much. This one is available streaming on Disney Plus, at least as of 9.27 p.m. on February 8th, 2022. Uh, If it's your first time here, welcome. This is how the show works. We're going to start off talking about the movie. Then, I don't know, man. It could go anywhere. It could go up. It could go down. It could go violet sky. But it's going to go somewhere. I could be brown. I could be blue. I could be violet sky. I could be hurtful. I could be purple. I could be anything you like. When you're done with this episode, you're like, man, I want to listen to another one. Just scroll through the back catalog, find a movie you've seen or find a movie maybe you want to see. But everything in this show is full of spoilers, unless otherwise indicated. Anyway, thank you for listening and let's go. Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgell. And today we're stealing chickens. Or maybe we're just proving ourselves to our fathers. So do your meditation. And get your tail back. Because today we're bringing you Fantastic Mr. Fox. Then the fantastic Mr. Fox was directed by Wesley Anderson. It came out on November 25th, 2009. Is he Irish? Anderson. Wesley no, Anderson, you damn fool. Come here. <laughs> Uh, November 25th, 2009, just 4,458 days ago, one year prior to, turns out, Toy Story 3, uh, $40 million budget, $46 million box office, 93% critic rating, 85% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 83 on Metacritic. Do you have a negative review from a professional critic? Yeah, totally. Totally. Definitely. Uh, Deborah Ross of The Spectator says, The animation is beautiful, the attention to detail, a thing of wonder. The story's a mess, the script is banal, and just as visually stunning as all it is, as it all is, it just doesn't seem to have any kind of soul. Can I tell you this? Yeah. De- Deborah Ross and I, yeah. I think, would write the exact same review. Of course you would. But I would give it a positive score. Yeah, of course you would. <laughs> Tyler, I want you to re- hang on a second. I know we've got we've got one of our favorites here giving a positive review, but I would love for you to read me this positive review by Richard Brody. Is there somebody else who's one of our favorites? Oh, Peter Rayner. Peter gave a positive review. Yeah, uh, yeah. but g- g- this this positive review of a movie by Richard Brody. Yeah, Richard Brody of the New Yorker, uh, the New Yorker says visually the movie is a wonder with its profusion of detail and exquisitely focused performances. Focused performances <laughs> by the figurines whom Anderson frames in images as precisely composed as those in his live action work. I'm Dick Brody for the New Yorker. The the addition of the faux cust in there was pretty nice. That is pretty good. That's pretty that good. That was something I thought was great. No, here's what I love. I don't know. You know, we used to do breakfast foods to describe movies. That's actually yeah. kind of the direction I want to go with this because it's how I feel about it. This movie has all the depth and deliciousness of a fantastic art house. You know, I mean, the cinematography is on a whole nother level, but also the sets are so painfully simple. They're like missing pieces. It's like, what is the few, it's, it's almost like stage work, you know, it's, it's what are the fewest amount of things we can use to tell the story. Uh, and the, 
the cinematography, the colors, the, everything is so beautiful. The animation is fantastic. The the dolls or whatever they are, figurines move in such a convincing way. I love all the little things that make it sort of you know, like reminding you, like you're watching a piece of art right now. On the same time though, what I love about it is it is completely paper thin. The music is one or two tracks. The vocal tracks are not, they don't sound like they're mixed to be super deep. You know, it, the story is so simple. You know, it's it's bad guy versus Fox. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it was kind of the, uh, I'm going to sound like that kid in his first day of philosophy class, but it's like when you get this duality that meets each other, I don't know. I think it's a very interesting. Uh, yeah, no, just the interesting part of this movie really just comes the intersection of Man and Fox, honestly. You know, it's really, they they showed us what Rudyard Kipling first showed us when he wrote The Jungle Book, is that animal and man can be friend if given the right opportunity. But given the wrong opportunity, animal and man will always be enemy. And that's what we're seeing here. Uh, that being said, I did, I'd never seen this before. I'm sure you have. Uh, uh, I, I, have I have, but it's been a long time. You'd say I would have previously listed this among my least favorite Wes Anderson movies. And today, where would you rank it? Um, maybe. Let's see. Maybe fourth. I let me out of nine. I've seen three: Grand Budapest, Isle of Dogs, and this. Yeah. Okay. And I know that that makes me like a lesser film person. No, not at all. I I actually I want to talk about the role and the the position of Wes Anderson in the like art house thing but can, that that is a topic that i would like to discuss later that does not make you, make you less of a uh, of a, a film person at all um hmm. i like this better than isle of dogs and i think this is the first time i would have ever said that i think the more time passes the more i was not in love with isle of dogs same same honestly you get because it, it on the surface level and this is it is part of what i love about wes anderson um, on the surface level it's it's easy to get lost in the style of it the both both uh, live action and stop motion easy to get lost in the style of it in the the the, the framing the the, sh the the shots the colors and the always star-studded cast list right especially in the um in the animated ones in in mr fox and in nile of dogs you can you get to play that game a lot where you're like is that that is it is it is you know and, and, and especially in nile of dogs because like there's all the dogs are like some huge actor. Yeah. Um, he does a really good job of nailing down what I think is is like a certain kind of A plus list that I yeah. would have a hard time like who would I even put in this? I category? mean, he's like he's and the Horace Slughorn of directors, right? He Right. He's got his little club of people that right. he always calls on. Well, Adam Sandler's that too, but if Rob Schneider was in this, sure. it would be a different movie. <laughs> Although I'll tell you this, Rob Schneider I think it's a bad rap. But I, I I don't disagree with you there. But like Wes Anderson is, is, is this guy in the simple reason that like obviously he picks the stars, but like a specific brand of stars. But he's yeah. also not afraid to take a gamble on a good bat bogey hex. Correct. Like he's got guys that he has made into like Jason Schwartzman, right? He has yeah. almost single handedly with a little bit of help from Edgar Wright, who's essentially just they're 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 different. They're different genres of the same guy. Edgar Wright is yeah is is vin diesel's wes anderson like they're different they're different fonts of the same dude yeah um but yeah with like yeah jason schwartzman made by wes anderson and serves a fairly prominent role in all of his films and and it just like develop or de delivers these performances every time um yeah that's a that's your Ginny weasley right that's your good bat bogey hex yeah of actors 
But you've also got Clooney in here. But you've got, yeah, you've always got a, a get guy, right? You've got Clooney. In Grand Budapest, you had uh, Ray Fiennes. In Isle of Dogs, you had Brian Cranston, right? You have your... I wouldn't say Clooney's the get guy here. I would say Meryl Streep's the get guy here. Well, absolutely. I would say Clooney is the is the leading the it, it, Clooney and Bill Murray are like the you are the Wes Anderson people in this. Yeah, but Clooney's only ever done this. Really? Yeah. That's weird to me. I would yeah. have thought that this is where like Clooney really No, found Clooney his and Streep have only ever done this. Um, everybody else, I believe, is is a featured player. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's, he's almost like a theater company of movies. Yeah. Because it's not a cinematic universe, right? Like, they, I mean, they obviously, there's no reason they can't all exist together, but, like, it is not, you know, they're not intertwined in any way. No, uh, this, so... <sighs> give me, a, give me a, a zero to 100. We didn't do that. I like this a lot. Um, it satisfies a very certain craving very well. Yeah. Um... 89? I, yeah, I was going to go flat 90. Yeah. Um, I think that's the exact scores we did last week, if I'm being honest with you. Movie is delightful, honestly. Yeah, I, it, uh, I watched it over two sittings, um, and it's short, which is always... All of his movies are. I know. Yeah. Short um, is always, always good. Oh, no, last week we were 79 and 80. It is... Yeah, well, it, we were one off, yeah. Um, yeah. It really is almost like... Just like Edgar Wright is a different font of Wes Anderson, this is like a different font of Pixar movie. No, I disagree there. Really? This may be of Luca, but this is so much lower stakes than every Pixar so, movie. Not, not necessarily the stakes, but in the, like, degree of personification that it occurs. I don't know. I actually still disagree. I feel like throughout this whole movie, you are playing this balancing act of how much am I thinking of these characters as animals and how much am I thinking of them as people who are portrayed by animals. Right. And I think that's what makes this movie so good. Whereas, that's also what makes Finding Nemo so good. And Luca. No, in Finding Nemo, I think about Marlin as a person who is stuck in a fish's body. But you don't feel that way about, about Mr. Fox? No. By the end of it, I still don't know. Am I supposed to think of him more as a fox or as a person? Okay, so maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not talking about the level of um, humanification, but more the level of, like, the foxes have a, a, a vibrant, the animals have a vibrant real estate market. Yes. Like, that. The whole the whole setup feels very Pixar to me. Well, it's very similar to Finding Nemo, like, to a T. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first scene is them talking about having a baby and almost dying. The difference like, yeah, is it's, it's, in this, um, they survive. <laughs> it feels like it is, if you can understand the trombone noises in Charlie Brown, this feels like, yeah, like Finding Nemo, but as like a, a, an adult might see it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I expected to think a lot more about Chicken Run watching this. I that could was see that. When, when somebody, I didn't know what this was about. To be honest with you. Yeah. And so somebody or I read the synopsis or something and it was like, oh, it's about a fox who steals chickens uh, and it's it's uh, stop motion. And I was like, oh, so it's like chicken run. It's like chicken. It's not like chicken run at all. But it's not like chicken run at all. Yeah. I didn't, chicken run never came to my mind. No, <laughs> no. Um, it is not like chicken run at all. It is about a fox that does like crime. Right. But it's not like, oh, it's George Clooney and it's about a heist. Oh, it's like Ocean's Eleven. No, it's not like it's Ocean's more 11. like Ocean's Eleven than Chicken Run. It's more like Ocean's Eleven than Chicken Run, but it's also not at all. Hey, Kayla, like just Ocean's go ahead and write 11. that one down, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more like Ocean's Eleven than Chicken Run, but it's not like it's not Soderbergh in any way, which is no, a it's not. It's not an action of, movie either. Yeah, and Soderbergh is a different font of Edgar Wright. Just imagine instead of bell bottoms, it's Caravan. <laughs> Do 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 do
Except I don't even, when I think of Caravan, I don't even think of uh, Oceans anymore. I think of, of Whiplash. Oh, man. You want to talk? Because that, is a, that is a Caravan recording right there. J.K. Simmons has another nomination this year for a role I'll have to see. Yeah, uh, we got to watch The Power of the Dog. Yeah, that's way high on my list. No, uh, that's not the one he's in. He's in Being the Ricardos. Is it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it got nominated for only for acting awards, which I think is so interesting. So Nicole Kidman got nominated for playing Lucille Ball and uh, Javier Bardem got nominated for playing Desi Arnaz and J.K. Simmons got nominated for something for that movie. But like, it, I don't think it got any other nomination. Maybe something, you know, techie. Uh, J.K. Simmons is our fraternity brother. I know. He will go down. He he will go down as like, because he's not, he's, people don't talk about him the same way they talk about Giamatti, right? Like he is a fantastic character actor, but he, he's never gotten that degree of respect. It's it's that, that Giamatti does. Um, I would I would say if I were in a room with J.K. Simmons and Paul Giamatti, I would think there'd be a longer line to get signatures from J.K. Simmons. If I was in a room with Paul Giamatti and J.K. Simmons, I would consider myself quite lucky. I would consider myself. I would very be lucky. if it was just the three of us. Man, they're nary a room I'd like to be in more. Honestly, I'd be like hey hey Paul Giamatti, I want you to answer questions. Like, I don't about... want to hang out with Tom Cruise. No, Tom Hanks though. Tom, if you gave me Tom Hanks, now would you rather have Simmons or Giamatti with Tom Hanks? Simmons, 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 Easy. no brainer. That that combination. Yeah. That's the modern day Plato be, and Aristotle, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I would get them in a room and ask them about. I would ask Tom Hanks. To How do I just to, be better? Not not a better actor, like a better human. Yeah. How do I be a citizen of the world better? I I mean, there's a lot of things I could do to be better. I spend a lot of time doing this podcast and watching movies for this podcast. I could like invest time and money into it. That's true. I thought you were about to say you could do something else. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Tyler. As and, far as like, as far as decreasing world, show. <laughs> as far as decreasing world suck goes, I think this is the thing you do the best. Uh, I would hope so. I've thought about taking this show and making it like a like a full-on charity organization, but not at the same time. Like I've definitely okay, I was gonna say I gotta get through this wedding first. Well let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about bacon and eggs as a like we teach people we teach underprivileged people and provide resources for underprivileged people to make digital media and then specialize in I really thought you were about to say if we teach underprivileged people to watch art films for some reason. <laughs> To watch Whiplash. <laughs> this is what privileged people get. Is this what you want? <laughs> These people get to go to private college in New York City, baby. And get yelled at by J.K. Simmons. And get verbally abused. Now, uh, so we've talked about it before. I would let Terrence Fletcher throw a symbol at me. Would you let J.K. Simmons throw a symbol at you? Oh, 100%. If J.K. Simmons came to me and was like, listen, man, you want to know what you're missing? You know what you're missing. He could get me to tell me what I'm missing. <laughs> He's better than therapist because you trust better him than because I trust him implicitly implicitly anyway I think I hope he wins for best supporting actor I've never seen the part I'm sure it's great uh, a lot of people didn't like that movie which movie was this again I don't even being know. the Ricardos um I guess we'll have to see it and find out so like so far but that being said so far it's really only been seen by film people as far as I could tell yeah, well, that's. I mean, we're supposed to be in that circle, though. We're supposed to dip our toe in more than the lake. And I'll be, I'll be. Well, so I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. Um, I like this movie better than the new Wes Anderson movie, which is live action. The French Dispatch. Yeah, I've heard it was not that good. It was fine. I mean, it was it was visually stunning. Obviously, he's he's really as far as live action movies goes, he's got the formula dialed in. 
I think he's got the formula on these uh, stop motion films pretty dialed in. No, I, I agree. I agree. But like the progression from Moonrise Kingdom to Grand Budapest to the French Dispatch, it's just like the you, you could you could teach Wes Anderson now, like at in a college. Mm -hmm. Like you could teach a whole class on like the Wes Anderson. I taught a whole class on Little Did He Know. Style guide. Um, You know, there were there's some fantastic shots and I could watch a whole movie about one of the vignettes in it. But yeah, it failed to hold my attention, honestly. I'm sorry to hear that. I wish yeah. that wasn't the case. I mean, I would, I, I enjoyed watching it. I would, I would watch it again. And honestly, that's what I kind of like about these movies is that like they are all extremely low stakes. But that's, I think, what makes this one so good is it's so good. So I would like to briefly talk to have a conversation about, um, about pretension and about art films and about uh, Wes Anderson's place in that because I I truly think he gets an unfair rap as far as the like the film bro movie side of it goes like people writing him off because they are film bro movies yeah it's because it's such low hanging fruit right yeah because it's weird and it's you know it's all the same era actors and they're playing strange characters and everything's weird and it's all low stakes and there's you know three colors in the whole thing and uh, it's all flats approaches and but he this gets written off with with these like oh man you're such a pretentious jackass if you like wes anderson type movies i think what it comes down to is the same thing as uh when it comes to classics if you say the catcher in the rye is your favorite book which it is my favorite book uh people are like holden caulfield's not nuanced he's a spoiled rich kid and it's like you were I, that's what i relate to yeah, I don't know how to tell you. Like, I'm still a person. But like, if if I go on Twitter right now and I'm like, the tragedy Macbeth is one of the best Coen Brothers movies ever made, despite the fact that it's only one of the Coen Brothers. I really think it deserves to get a best actor or best picture nomination over some of this other crap like Dune, uh, just because like you know people aren't really doing movies at four three anymore except Zack Snyder. And like, you know, people aren't really doing black and white movies anymore. And they're definitely not doing fully original Shakespeare scripts. And like Denzel Washington's performance of this is just so fantastic. Like at that point, if I'm doing that, I, I, I'm a jackass, right? Like I get it. I have to, I have to make that peace with myself at night. I have to, I have to go to sleep having those opinions. I get it. I'll, but at the same time, I would be, you, on, I would where be treated the where same do you way. Stand? Where do you stand between Macbeth and Dune? What deserves that 10th spot? Um, Dune was a bad example, but the, I've only seen two of the damn movies, right? So I can't say like, Oh, you know, the power of the dog doesn't deserve it. But I, I think that's it. a fair, I think, I think Dune to me sticks out as the sore thumb. Dune and don't look up stick out as the sore thumbs of like, these aren't really art movies. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I mean Dune is uh, Dune is one of the most beautiful movies ever made in my opinion. My problem with Dune is It is an it's not a very good movie, but it is an achievement in science fiction filmmaking. Yes. Right? The same way that that uh I think The Tragedy of Macbeth is an achievement in, you know, like fully art dramas of just like uh, so like I think The Tragedy I think The Tragedy of Macbeth actually I know that it falls into like I haven't seen it but i've seen clips i i get the idea i think it falls into a hybrid category where it shouldn't get a picture, best picture nomination because it is essentially the best possible version of the hamilton pro shot okay like what if we just put the cameras on the stage is essentially all it feels like to me from the from the clips it I've is seen it. not like that it's like super minimalist sets right and it's black no and white. not particularly no i mean it, it is like 
brutalist sets. Well, maybe I'll have to watch it then. But to me, yeah, that's like. Would you call? Would you call like a? Like, say you shot a movie in front of one of the pyramids. Would you call that scene minimalism? I mean, it would depend upon how you did. I wouldn't call, like, the mummy minimalist. No. No, but, like, like say but you... But if, you... if your whole set was sand, pyramid, sky, yeah, I, I, that's not what I'm thinking of when I think of the clips I've seen from the tragedy of Macbeth. Okay. Well, there's there are several desert scenes, but also, like, it takes place in a lot of, like, big rooms that are like sparsely decorated. So let me let me send you the picture that I'm thinking of. This sure. is about as close to the image I have in my mind. Um, copy image address, chat. I don't know if it's gonna come through. It's a New Yorker, so it might tell you to sign in. Yeah, no, I I get that. I get where you're coming from with with minimalism. But like, but like, if if you imagine like like a dolly zoom that just keeps making that room bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think that's using the camera to do exactly everything the camera can do. Sure. Within the confines. Like it of... is not extravagantly decorated, but it is big sets. Yeah. Um, no, I'm curious to watch it because I. Uh, but it is also I've, not like the stage because it is like a lot of sets. Yeah, I guess that's true. I've never been I, a huge Macbeth guy. Oh, I Macbeth have, is my favorite Shakespeare. Uh, I have a hard, I like the comedies, but I have a hard time with Shakespeare. So I'm curious how I feel about it after watching it, which I know that that's like a thing where it's like, a, you've just got to watch a few of them. You've got to read a few yeah. of them. And you've also got to like be willing to sit there with a textbook and be like, what the fuck are they talking no, about it's, here? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, you get definitely watch it with subtitles. I watched, I didn't watch, I listened to Taming of the shrew one night it was only like three hours long yeah and i did not understand a word of it yeah but i think that's where you need the visual element right so macbeth is along with romeo and juliet is like pretty easy to understand like you're not going to get the the finer points of the language but so speaking of the finer points of the language Wait, i want to bring this back to fantastic mr so fox um Speaking of the finer points of the language, what do you think Fantastic Mr. Fox is trying to say? Is there a greater thematic point to be made here, or is it simply like paying attention to little nuances between the characters? Your fathers pay attention to your sons, uh, you know, husbands yeah, and wives, I, things like that. I think it's or a is dual there a greater narrative? Is there a greater narrative than that? Yeah. No, it's a pretty great capital capital G great narrative. I guess I, I guess is there like a social commentary to be made? Like, maybe not social commentary. Is there is there a allegory beyond Bro, um I don't think so. This was this is a Roald Dahl story. Uh this is some some little background research I did. This is a Roald Dahl story that he wrote after his first child died. Um as sort of a a like fairy tale outlet for not being able to protect his family. Hmm. And it's obviously I mean it's not it's not fully the same story. There are added characters and added subplots and I don't think that it involved the the like bombing of a flint mine originally maybe maybe i don't have a reddit but yeah no it's mostly just about a father feeling like he can't protect his kids but also like having to learn to listen to his kids uh i think this tells does a pretty good job of telling both sides of the thing though is like you know kids maybe cut your parents some slack they're doing the best they know how to but also like you know parents your kids are people and they're gonna have ideas and like you have to listen to them yeah i mean that was that was the relationship between mr and mrs fox was you know, at the end he kind of has to explain to her like i am a wild animal which I, I think the, the metaphor there is that we're all wild animals yeah. at the end of the day. You know, like we've we've built society and we have this great real estate But there's system. nothing natural about what we're doing. Right. And the natural, and I don't think it's like a natural order Joe Rogan sort of thing. I think it's no. like a, you know, the natural order of things is like people have ways about them that are antithetical to society's sort of. Sure. And you got a lot rhetoric. of, you know, it's okay to be different in here. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of Pixar movies. <laughs> 
I've decided, I think, speaking of... Fantastic Mr. Sea Monster. Uh, I, this is, this is uh, my heretical take of the week. I think Luca is is about Jesus and John the Baptist or Simon Peter and, and Mary Magdalene. In their power thruple. And, and it's, it's all... The 32 years pre-gospel Jesus, right? Which is why I don't think Simon Peter's a part of it. Part of it. Maybe not John the Baptist. Uh, but I think, like, Luca plays Jesus because Luca only has traits of his mother. Uh, he doesn't look like his father at all. They're not the same color. He's identical to his mother in, like, every way. Uh, and I like this idea of, like, the Virgin Mary being a strict mom. I think oh, yeah. That, and, and Joseph being, like, totally <laughs> uninvolved. But, like, the first scene we see of Luca is as a shepherd, like, yeah. gathering all these little fish sheep. Uh, Luca, I mean, very easily can be argued, like, walks on water. And Luca uh, is a deeply underrated movie. I just want to say that. Luke, oh, my God. I watched that this weekend. Like, I, no, I have not. I have not seen Raya and the Last Dragon, um, nor do I have any intention to. But Disney put some work in this year. Yeah. Luca is very good. Ooh. Right, Luca and Encanto and all of the Marvel movies and all the Star Wars shows. Well, just the, the one Star Wars show that didn't come out last year. Never mind. All of the Marvel movies and shows. The Star Wars had a year off, I think, right? Yeah. No Din Djarin for a whole year. Not for a whole year. Um, and then they couldn't freaking resist, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> No, so I, I love these Wes Anderson movies and the, like, low stakesness of them, right? Like, I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel sort of deals with the whole Nazism thing a little bit, and, like, it is sort of more of a high-stakes movie than the rest of them. But, like, Moonrise Kingdom's about some scouts that run away from Edward Norton, for the most part. Like, they're very just, like, cozy movies. Yeah. And uh, they've always got these incredible... I There was a question that was asked of me recently that what composer would you want to score the movie of your life? And I think I would pick Alexander Desplat, who does does all the Wes Anderson movies to the last two Harry Potter movies but like does these really comfy cozy soundtrack scores because like that's the the life I would like my movie to be very Huga yeah because people you know people were like oh I would want John Williams and I'm like I don't want to be in a John Williams movie that sounds stressful I want to be in an Alan Silvestri movie right like I don't want to be in a Hans Zimmer movie or a Ludwig Goranson movie I think if John Powell did I want to be in a Randy Newman movie yeah. If John Powell did my life, then do I get to learn how to fly a dragon? I wouldn't want to be in a John Powell movie. That sounds terrible. Being a dragon rider on the island of Berk while it's under Berk. siege sounds terrifying. Being being a, a you know a scoutmaster in this cool little island off the coast of Maine sounds dope. Rad. Uh, you know, I'd prefer Jack Johnson to Metallica. I would do Jack Johnson. That sounds awesome. And you can't even be like, Jack Johnson's not a film composer. Wrong. That was, uh, we. so we did this on, on Super Carl Brothers Bonus Gaming. This answered this question. And Jack Johnson was, was your brother Jonathan's choice because of the Curious George movie. Jonathan loves that album. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody loves that album. Let's be honest. People that hate Jack Johnson, I don't understand. It's just part of this whole thing, man. Like, it's what has Jack Johnson thing? ever done to anyone? They don't like Dave Matthews. They don't like Jack Johnson. No, I can Johnson. understand like not liking Dave Matthews. I can't understand not liking Jack. I can't imagine hearing Banana Pancakes come on and be like, you know what? Fuck this song. I hate this song. You know what's so Fuck funny? Fuck Billy Currington for covering it. Yeah, Banana Pancakes might be my least favorite Jack Johnson song. Really? Yeah. Man, it's so comfy. I'm listening to it's it It's like now. an armchair, but like a song. I do love a good armchair. Can't you see that it's just raining? Ain't no need to go outside. What are the odds? This is in tune. Nope. 
I was going to play Banana Pancakes, but this is not in tune. Is that a Martin? Yeah. It it's is? The, it's the Ed Sheeran Martin. Oh. It's tiny. I didn't buy it. I don't really care about it. I mean, I like Ed Sheeran, but like I don't care enough about Ed Sheeran to buy an Ed Sheeran guitar. But I bought it because it's $300 and it's tiny. Yeah, I love a tiny guitar. Which is unfortunate because all of my guitars are gigantic. Get that bar chord quite in tune. It's a little, little wibbly. Anyway, love the music in this movie. Um, all of the like Beach Boys and Beach Boys sounding songs, and also all of the original score. Fantastic. Oh, thing was was good. Uh, who would direct the movie of your life, Ethan? Who would direct the movie of my life? <sighs> That's a tough one, because like, if you made a movie about me right now, I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've done the thing that would get me a movie made about me yet. But, um, you know, I've been through some stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it'd have to be somebody capable of handling that, those kind of things in a very like, very like almost stranger than fiction kind of way. I actually have the Google search who directed stranger than fiction up right now. Who did direct Strangers of Fiction? Uh, it was Mark Forster, who also did Quantum oh. of Solace, World War Z, Monsters Ball, Kite Runner. And uh, 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 Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin. Yep. Finding Neverland. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's not a bad choice, honestly. I mean, World War Z is a little weird thrown in there. Maybe Kenneth Branagh. Why Kenneth Branagh? Because he just does a lot of, uh, he does a lot of like cozy movies. Does he? Yeah. Jack Ryan, Murder on the Orient Express, Thor. I didn't know Kenneth Branagh did a Jack Ryan movie. I'm not going to lie to you. Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Wild. Artemis Fowl. Yeah, I heard that movie. He did Belfast. Terrible. Yeah, he did Belfast. I don't know what Belfast is, but it sounds cozy. Uh, it doesn't look cozy. It looks like Jojo Rabbit, but significantly more serious. I mean, I wouldn't mind a Taika Waititi movie. I don't think my life, like, I, I wouldn't mind that at all, but I don't think that's the answer for me. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I don't know, man. Who would direct the movie of my life? So you I mean, got to handle- I, can't, I feel like now, I, I can't say Wes Anderson, right? Like- that's cheating. Why but I think that's that's the movie I think I would most like to live inside of is a Wes Anderson movie. Maybe like uh um like Paul Thomas Anderson. Maybe like who did um Here we go. This is me right here. Nancy Myers. Who's Nancy Myers? She did this is some credits. I think if you were to do a movie in my life up to date, you would have, I think, a story of love and loss. Uh I think. Loss is probably not the right word, but like I've had the tragedies of my life have been romantic and career driven. Okay. So I think that's kind of where where I think you'd find the heart in it is this like consistent failure and the positive attitude that that drives through, uh, but also like the struggles with depression and stuff like that. Anyway, Nancy Myers did The Parent Trap, Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, What Women Want, Boom, Father of the Bride Part 1 and 2. That's not a bad choice. Actually, Father of the Bride? I think Father of the Bride, a remake for the millennial father. Because my biggest complaint about Father of the Bride is that like I could never be as awful as Steve Martin is at the start of that movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. if my daughter came to me and was like, I'm getting married, we're doing it at the house, I'd be like, I, I don't care. 
we'll find the money. Well, Father of the Bride and in two thousand in two thousand twenty two has to deal with the fact that his daughter's gay, right? Like, right. He, she brought home a woman. Yeah, I think that's Father of the Bride in two thousand twelve. To be honest with you, I think so, Father of the Bride in twenty twenty two. The father doesn't care that the daughter's gay. That's true. But like, I can't even imagine like what the dad gets mad at these days. Yeah, I just so feel you like, said you said uh, something's got to give, which is Jack Nicholson movie, and it always. I mix it up with it because I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, but I mix it up with a different Jack Nicholson movie called As Good As It Gets, which is and a movie that I would the want. One, this is one with Diane Keaton. No, yeah, I know. I know which one it is. I don't think I've seen it, though. Um, but yeah, it, As Good As It Gets is a movie you should really should really watch. Um, That's a dog movie. It is a dog movie. Uh, it is a it is a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorites. That person also directed Spanglish, uh, and that is James. Oh, L. as good as it gets is Helen Hunt, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a fantastic movie. You should watch. Um, but yeah, so so James L. Brooks directed. Um, also directed Spanglish, so I think that's a good pick. What I did look up was Peter Weir. Peter Weir directed, which I didn't, I didn't know this about Peter Weir. Peter Weir directed uh, Dead Poet Society, which I did and know about Truman him. Show. But he also directed the Truman Show. It's like I'm. I, that's not a bad, a bad get. But here's the problem with Peter Weir. He also directed Master and Commander: of The Far Side of the World, mm -hmm. which is a little bit complicated, right? Because like you, you'd be pretty safe with Bruckheimer until you get to Ghost Pirates, <laughs> or no, yeah, no, Bruckheimer didn't direct those. You'd be pretty safe with Gore Verbinski, I believe, until you get to Ghost Pirates. He produced those. He did. I do feel like Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, is... Quarone! Alfonso Quarone directs my life. Quarone. <laughs> well, if I had to pick, and uh, if I had to pick, if I had to pick a Hispanic or Latino director, it would have to be Quarone, right? I can't do Guillermo del Toro. I would can't not do, survive in Pan's Labyrinth. You can't do Lin-Manuel? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I could, yeah. As my other, I was thinking of uh, Lin Manuel would look at my life and be Jean like, who did." Uh, Lin Manuel uh, would look at my life Birdman. and be like, "This has got way too much privilege in it." Tyler, we, Tyler, we, we Tyler, Tyler, we forgot somebody. Oops. I got two words for you: first name and a last name. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. I would be sacrificed at an altar. My life history in a Greta Gerwig movie would not fly. Did Greta Gerwig do Midsummer? Yeah, she did. I thought so. Right. I don't think so. No, Ari Aster. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, Greta Gerwig did Little Women and Lady Bird. I've actually still not seen Lady Bird. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tyler. Greta Gerwig doesn't look like what you think, by the way, in case you're curious. Yeah, she does. That's what you thought Greta Gerwig was going to look like? Yeah, huh. yeah. Tyler, we, we've we've forgotten somebody important. Now, uh, now, th there's one problem here that I'm going to, to list. Hang on. That's not the right. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, that's the right guy. We've forgotten about John Chu. John Chu? John Chu did In the Heights. John Chu did Crazy Rich Asians. John Chu did Now You See Me Too. Who plays Ethan in the movie of his life? I don't know who. Uh, what? Who, uh, it can't be Corden. He's older than me. I know. So that's kind of like a weird. They just problem. talked about this. Is literally a bit they just did on my brother, my brother and me that I thought was one of the, the best bits I've ever heard of. Is like who do you get to? Who do you pick to eventually play you in a movie? Like, if they you made a movie who, about you, if they made a movie about old you right now, who plays you? The first name that came to mind for you and not for me was Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson! <laughs> because, think about this. Pete Davidson has been through a lot of the same tragedies yeah, you have. Yeah, absolutely. Has lots of tattoos. Yeah. Lots of bad tattoos, you know? <laughs> 
I'm mo- I'm very guy. proud of most of my tattoos. I like And the tattoos. ones that I'm not proud of are covered by my sick Joe Burrow jersey. Um, who would play me? God, see, there's no way to answer this because you you have to answer like a handsome person, right? And there's no way to answer this without being like, I think I look like Tom Holland. I don't think that. You know, I'm you know just who I, older you know than I, Tom Holland. <laughs> you know who I'd pick right now? To play me? Yeah. Whomst? Bo Burnham. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. I think he would nail it. Yeah. You gotta to watch. You gotta watch Promising Young Woman. Oh my God. I know he's in it. Yeah. 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 Carrie Mulligan from The Great Gatsby's in it. God, what a movie. But like Bo Burnham in that movie is incredible. God, you know who would end up playing me in the movie of my life is like Noah Schnapp. Who's Noah Schnapp? They would have Noah Schnapp playing me. He plays Will in Stranger Things and Gate Ah. Gatton Matarazzo playing you. Take that, sir. You know what's stupid, actually, is because if they had to write Chris into the story, I would be Finn Wolfhard and Chris would be Noah Schnapp. No, Chris would be Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard has a Jufro. Okay. That's true. That is true. I don't know true. if that's an offensive thing to say, but that's what people that said is I true. had in um, high school. <laughs> you are Polish. Joe Keery can play me in the movie My Life. Sold. So could Charlie Heaton. So can Winona Ryder. If they made a movie about you and I and it was it was Joe Keery and Charlie Heaton, I would not be upset. <laughs> I would be so jazzed. <laughs> Uh, if Who's Natalia the kid that plays Dyer, Harry Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, oh, he ouch. would make a good you. Is that the what kid I look from, like? The guy from Chronicle. Yeah. You know what would make a good you? And this is this is a legitimately compliment, I think. Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. He's the dude that uh, Becca likes? He was Peter. He was Percy Jackson. Yeah. Oh, that's not the dude that Becca likes then. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's one of them. Uh, 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 no, I'm thinking of... Uh, uh, oh, I am thinking Dylan O'Brien. Yeah, or Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman is Percy Jackson. No, Dylan O'Brien's Percy Jackson. No, yes, he's not. He's not. No, who's Dylan O'Brien? Uh, Dylan O'Brien is in the Maze Runner. Oh, I okay. Becca likes both of them. He's Thomas. I mean, I figured. I'll tell you what. Th- I cannot because Thomas Brody Sangster plays Newt, right? Yeah. I cannot see that at all. No, Will Poulter could do a good Newt. He was Gally. Will Poulter plays the what's his name? Scotta, right? The the leader. No, he plays Galley. Does he really? Mm-hmm. He's a villain in the first one. Logan Lerman was Percy Jackson. Logan Lerman and and and, and uh, Dylan O'Brien are the same person. All I know is uh, Will Poulter's been cast as Adam Warlock, which I think is a lock of a casting. Wait, I thought thought Kit Harrington was Adam Warlock. No, Kit Harrington is uh, from Eternals. Right, as Adam that's Warlock. Not, no, that's not Adam Warlock. It's not. Who's Adam Warlock? Adam Warlock's The End of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. The lady, like painted in gold, is like, "We have a secret weapon," and they point to like a, uh, like a, basically like what they have Walt Disney in now, like a cryo chamber, and there's ah, like a gold person okay. inside. Okay. That's Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock in in the comics like beat Thanos with his arms behind his back or something. Then who is Kit Harington playing? Uh, his character is named, uh, Black Knight. This is what I get for listening to TikTok. Oh my God. Have you seen the fucking trailer for Moon Knight? Uh, yeah, briefly. Oh. I haven't watched it all the way through. Holy shit. It looks, I, it looks so really good. good. I'll oh tell you this. God. Lay Oscar me down Isaac, by I, the dirty heads. What, how much money do I have good. to pay for Oscar Isaac to play me in the movie about me? Uh, a lot. What if it was, what if it was, I mean, I know, listen. Listeners, Here's what you I, and Oscar Isaac have in common. No, no, no. Tyler, just shut up for two seconds. I, listeners, I understand what I'm about to say comes with the heavy price that Tyler and I are both white. But, like, it is not my fault that most of the best actors right now are Latino. Um, I would love for a movie about you and I to be Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac. And I don't care Pedro which one Pascal's I get to be. Pascal's playing me. I, I don't care which one I get to be. But, like, if they made Bacon and Eggs a movie lover's movie right now, I think that's who I'd pick. Although, honestly, the fact that you said that Pete Davidson could play me in a movie, I, kind of, I that that really, like, got to me. 
Well, I mean, Pete Davidson can play you in a movie. That was just a super nice thing you said. He's a funny guy. He's a he's a tragedy guy. He's a he's a Carhartt beanie guy. I feel I feel some camaraderie with Pete Davidson as a person. I feel like like uh, I I feel the need to defend Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson and you probably have weird feelings about nine eleven. Probably because it's like, well, this was like obviously awful, but like the nationalism thing is weird to me. But also, this is really bad. Oh no, it's the Olympics, baby! We're we're doing the Winter Olympics right now. This is the most nationalistic I get. I know you're all about them Winter Olympics. I love the Winter Olympics, man. This is there's the first Winter any, Olympics without you know my. There's uh, no swimming in the Winter Olympics. This is the first Winter Olympics since my mom passed, and that has been a really hard thing. I'm sorry this was like that. this was like our thing. Um, so it's been a little weird. I'll be honest with you, but like I love the Winter Olympics. Like it's it's cool to like curling now, but I'm like a curling hipster. I knew this was gonna happen one day. We're curling. I, we get popular. I did too, man. Because because I remember 2006, the t- the Torino, Italy Olympics. 2006, they would play curling from like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Right. We're in high school, not middle school. Before my dad would take me to school, uh, no, before the bus would take me to school. Yeah, I was riding the bus then. I would get up every morning during the Winter Olympics that year and watch curling for like three. I would wake up at 5 a.m. to watch curling because I was so enthralled with it, being like 13 years old. I love the Winter Olympics. Apollo Ono, man, what a guy. Bodie Miller. Sean White. Sean White. We lost slope-style snowboarding for the first time in both men's and women's categories. Granted, no, this is only this the is... third Olympics it's been included in, but we did lose it for the first time ever. I think I think the U.S. isn't going to win the medal count this year. Uh, we ha- I don't think we've gotten a single gold yet. Yeah, I think, I think it's not our year. We're getting freaking crushed. Our mixed doubles team lost curling. It makes in the, you wonder in the, in the group stage. It makes you wonder what kind of impact COVID had on the slopes. Oh, they will not stop talking about it. I mean, like, if you can't fly, how do you get to Utah? You don't. How do you shred NAR if you can't fly? You don't. Apparently, 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 apparently Australia has year-round snow. I didn't know this. Apparently, like, so, Australia and New Zealand have year-round snow. Well, yeah, they're, like, right next to Antarctica. I, I just didn't know this, right? So, like... They all the Australian skiers and, and and New Zealand skiers and snowboarders have been doing fantastic. They're like, yeah, they've the only ones that have been able to train properly. But like, I we're losing sl- figure skating, man. I, I hit the slope daddies this year for the first time. I saw in, in like six years. I freaking love the snow. I actually may. So I mean, this is some some rich people complaints right here. Uh, and I'm not rich, so take this whole story with a grain of salt. When we look at vacation homes, I have shifted from Lake House to Wintergreen, Virginia House. Ski chalet. I I love that town in a way I cannot describe. Yeah, no, it was it was cool. We even just when we spent the weekend up there before it was I, even I open. Mean, Dude, it is so cool. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. There's something about that area that just like really speaks to me. Yeah, dude, same, same. And I've been a lake house dreamer for a long time because the lake's not far. Yeah. And the lake is like the best. Like you got all the breweries and wineries up there and they're awesome. There's good golfing year round. There's, you know, it's cool. It's neat. Wintergreen's a neat little place. Like the snow, the ski board, ski boarding. The skiing and snowboarding is like not the greatest, but also like I can't ski. No, see so. that. Well, yeah, you can't ski, but like I would argue, I want to try it again. It's not snowshoe and it's not Vermont, but snowshoe and Vermont still aren't Utah. Yeah, still aren't Colorado. Still aren't yeah. Aspen. Like yeah, snowshoes as good as it's going to get in the Mid Atlantic, and Vermont is going to get it's going to get on the East Coast. Yeah, but it's still not Colorado. It's not the Rockies. Yeah, right. It's not like. <laughs> 
Like you still have to go there because once you go there, if you're like, yeah, normally we, we should snowshoe yeah, out. You have to get on an Virginia. airplane. Right. <laughs> and so to me, it's like, man, yeah, and there's I'm, I'm, good. Sl- I like the slopes at Wintergreen and they have the best. They have in the mid-Atlantic, they have the best manufactured snow. Yeah. So that to me is a selling point as well. Um, and that restaurant, dude, that food at that restaurant. I don't know if we were just exhausted from golfing. That's probably one of the best meals I've had in the last 365 days. We were exhausted and hungover from golfing, but that doesn't like that doesn't change the fact that the food was good, though. Yeah, because every time you go there from now on, you will always be hungover from golfing in your mind. Right, right. Oh. So I think if you're looking for if you're on on a vacation hunt, and you're looking for a getaway, something inexpensive. Wintergreen, Virginia is Virginia's best kept secret. And I'm sure Wintergreen doesn't want to be a secret. <laughs> I'm sure the marketing team at Wintergreen's like, shut up, man. We're really trying out here. No, I, I, I like I think they're perfectly happy. I think so too because I was there when we were there. Well, because like if you remember when we were there, their their rental place was sold out of skis and snowboards. Yeah, and it was not too crowded to ski. That you were there to in, me. Yeah, you were there in December or no or mid January. Yeah, arguably like still barely the season. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I remember like because Wintergreen and Massanutten is where it's the it's the Virginia Beach of skiing no disagreed no yeah it, no it is because it's where the people from like the the east coast go it's like we if we're gonna go somewhere to go skiing and snowboarding we go to like snowshoe right they go to wintergreen like the the ski shop in port warwick used to do like like weekend trips to wintergreen every weekend they had dude ski shops that's a tough business yeah believe it you know a lot of the year there's no ski there's a lot, and a lot of the year there's no ski. When you live here in the mid-Atlantic, it's it can be rough. It can like be guys, rough. We're taking a weekend trip to Liberty University to go down a 200-foot slope. Made of turf. <laughs> Made of turf. It's the worst. It's kind of cool at first, but then it's kind of the worst. <laughs> yeah, then it's kind of the worst. Um, man, and th- this Winter Olympics, man, is it's been good. They got people doing, they got big air snowboarding and skiing in the, in the disused uh, nuclear waste plant, nuclear power plant. That's some stuff straight out of a box. And like our friend Chris game. is like, yo, China's so weird. And I was like, yeah, but the photos are sweet because they've got like the big Beijing logo on top of one of the cooling towers. And they're, you know, they've got pictures of these snowboarders just like fly or skiers like flying in the air with just that behind them. Yeah. No snow in sight. Also, like skiers have gotten big air skiers and snowboarders have gotten crazy over the last four years because they're doing like like nineteen hundred degree method grabs. Yeah, I mean this is like nineteen hundred. You remember when Sean White landed the nine hundred? Tony uh, Tony Hawk landed the first nine hundred in skateboarding ever. These skiers are out here like, yeah, we're we're gonna do a, a, a cool twenty one hundred. To be fair, to get high enough on a skateboard to do no, a I mean for sure, it's not the same for as sure. Doing it. Off a big air jump. <laughs> yeah, and they're definitely they're not, you know they're not doing that in the half pipe, but right. And, and Tony Hawk's landing on wood. <laughs> yeah, or concrete. Man, snowboarding Ready. is not something that I would have thought that men were like that much better at than women in the Olympics. I would, I would so I've, I have no I would have assumed that, that being lighter and smaller gave you an advantage. And I would have thought the the center of gravity shift would have helped yeah, women give you an advantage, but like. You know, I was I watched women's slip style snowboarding and they were like, oh, she went for a 1080 there. That's incredible. And they're like, and the men's are like, oh, this guy's in last place. Just did a 1520. What is he even doing? And I was like, good God. I'd be so dizzy. I would be so dizzy. My knees would I mean, explode. Your knees would explode. Didn't we put you on a set of skis one time and you were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I tried no. it. it. It just it was it was. um. I don't know, like the the point where my knees go the weakest is like the exact like activation point of where you need to ski at. Mm-hmm. 
But also, like, I was at Snowshoe. I didn't know what I was doing, and the guy I was with didn't do a good job of teaching me anything. You know, Wintergreen, they got classes. Yeah, they got, well, they got classes at Snowshoe, too, but I they know. don't have, like, bunny slopes. <laughs> they have they have Bunny Mountain. At <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's the thing. Yeah. Is like, I think I should go back and go to Wintergreen and just like take a class, do the thing. I went with Chris, and Chris was like, "Oh, you don't need a class. I'll teach you." And I was like, "I think I might need the class." I, I think there's no shame in the class. I don't think this, not, I don't have. A, I wanted to take the class. Yeah. I was the one that brought it up. He's like, "Nah, you don't need the class. I'll teach you." And I'm like, "Well, it's just me and him going." It's a learning curve thing, is what it yeah. is. So it's like, uh, I think I'd rather snowboard anyway. I mean, okay, do that. Yeah, do no, you I, want, I, that, man. That, I'm not saying you're telling me not to. I'm just I'm, I'm vocalizing like what I would. I was hoping you're going to do this when we went, but we went the weekend before the ski, the slopes opened. Yeah, um, it was a completely different town with the slopes open. Oh, I believe it. But uh, it's the same deal as like I would I would buy a house at Holden Beach and go there for January. Yeah. And I think I would do the same thing if we went for the mountain house thing is like I would absolutely pick weekends in the summer to be like, I'm going to the mountain yeah, house. I would go up there in <laughs> July and just chill. Right. Like this it's, is my it's quiet. 20 degrees cooler. I can go to the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> Play golf. It's fine. And I think the more I'm getting... Is this In the hash browns, we talked about things we've learned about ourselves. I think the older I get, the more I realize I do need... I think this is like where quarter-life crisis or, or half-life crisis, mid-life crisis has come from. But like, I need my own space yeah if that makes sense like yeah in our house emily now works from home and so like what was once my man cave room where i was recording this show if you're watching you can obviously see that i think this is the first video we have in the, in the dungeon no boba fett uh, was the last boba fett was video okay well if this is your first time watching the dungeon you know, obviously yeah. i've moved but like having this space down here to come to and kind of just like gather my thoughts and be myself even though it's you can't see on the video but it's absolutely cluttered with just nonsense the the fact that it's like my own spot is so incredibly beneficial and and that's i think one of the biggest things i learned about myself in my 20s is that i am an introvert yeah like i'm a very social person and i think it's one of the reasons personality tests i always struggled with is because i would get to the end and be like i would answer questions being like i need it to think i'm an extrovert yeah because i'm a very social and comfortably social person yeah but and I, those two I, things just aren't related at all yeah i get my energy from my alone time yeah same i gotta charge up yeah, I need I need time on the Peloton or watching TV or watching movies or just sitting. And I, I wasn't yeah. getting that. Yeah, that's been honestly one of my biggest adjustments to going back to work full time. It's just like you having days. What? You got to talk to people. It's not even that I talk to people. It's just like having days where I, I don't get a minute to myself. Yeah. Like today I woke up. I, you know, hung out with the dog for an hour and a half. I went to therapy. I went to work. I came home. I watched a movie. I played with the dog. I saw my fiance for 20 minutes and then I came and recorded with you. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow still pretty drained. Yeah. That is definitely I, an adjustment I, I've had to make. I feel the same way. Like, so yeah, I mean, and even today I was that. like, man, I can't, I can't schedule therapy on recording days ever again. Really? I mean, I like therapy. Like I like going to therapy, but it's just like, it is, you know, I usually go at either eight or nine in the morning Yeah. and then go work full day. And I'm just like, by the time I get home and then watch the movie and, and I've hung out with pickles that whole time that I've been home and he's just like super high key all the time. I'm just like, man, I got to turn it on for two hours now. And then once I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've run into the same thing where like, no, I, I yeah, I, I, like I, I'm fully sure that it is way worse for you because you have multiple children. Uh, yeah. And I do a lot of like the cooking and cleaning and, yeah. and diaper changing and, um, 
that's challenging, but like, it's not like, none of that stuff is challenging. I don't think it's any different than what you're going through, except the sleep thing, which I don't know if Pickles is sleeping through the night. Currently, Finn is not. Yeah, Pickles that's is. really messing me up. Pickles is, yeah. It's just a matter of like, a lot of times, like, I don't get to sleep when I want to because, like, you know, I'm working on things. Like, I'm taking, uh, I've been taking Udemy classes to try to learn different, like, design skills and stuff. And, like, yeah. I've been doing that kind of, so, like, either editing or recording, and then I'll stay up for another hour and change after that and, like, work on stuff. And, like, I, you know, I'm not complaining about that. It's just, it, it is definitely by the time, like, like, this weekend, I did nothing. I did nothing. I watched the Olympics for three days and I sat on the couch and ate way too much takeout. And, nice. like, I came to work Monday morning, like ready to go. Let's let's get this bread. And I would that was a new, kind of a new experience for me for like, especially for the last like couple years because like for most of quarantine, I was just like, okay, cool. I see my friends every other couple weeks, maybe after a time. Well, and that was challenging for me through. I mean, obviously, like I'm making this about myself, and I shouldn't because we're talking about you. But I'll just make this one point, and then we'll get. Back no, we're. To I it. mean, we're talking about we we are talking about ourselves. Yes. And that was a challenge for me over the last few years is like, if you wanted to hang out and I just needed to recharge, I didn't feel like that was an excuse not to hang out because I know how rare it is that we both have right theoretically free time. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are times that you've done it. Cause I know there are times that I've done it where like one of us has hit the other up and we've just been like, man, I'm going to concoct an excuse or whatever. Really? I just, I'm just chilling. <laughs> just not doing it. <laughs> Not, not now, not, not today. now. Yeah. Um, uh, and honestly, I think that's, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about silver linings, which we weren't, but like another silver lining of COVID is I think it has sort of given everybody the universal excuse, right? Cause at this point, you know, we're, we're deep enough into the COVID thing where if you text me and, and you want to hang out, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with being like, yeah, dude, not today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love, love you to death, man. But like, I just can't, it is not going to happen. Yeah. I don't uh, want to be around you. You don't want to be around me. Nobody wants to be around anybody. I'm not, it's not happening. Just not doing it. Um, Here's one. I've recently started uh, really dialing into a calendar system. Yeah. I'm never available. That's fair. I'm I like, it, it has very much opened my eyes getting it on paper. It's not on paper, it's digital, but like putting it in front of me, like I do a lot of stuff. And what yeah. I used to do is I would be like, oh, I'll put personal stuff in my Google calendar and work stuff in my work calendar. I put everything in my work calendar because I've got it on my phone. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, this is the wrong app. Let me pull it up. Like, uh, save changes. There we go. Let's, uh, oh, Finn might be waking up. Um, I mean, look at this. I have stuff yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. All the time. The next day, I have nothing, as I guess this Friday. But I have something Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Friday, I have nothing down again. And then Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, f vacation for a week. Really, I don't have two days in a row where I have nothing going on. I don't know if vacation is vacation, but I'm going to Disney with my kids. Like, I love Disney. I'm going to have a blast. It's not relaxing. Yeah, uh, you're going to come home more <laughs> tired than you would after a, day, a week of right? work. <laughs> uh, the next time I have two days in a row with nothing going on is uh, March 5th and 6th. And I think that's probably because it's so far away and I right. will absolutely add something. Yeah. Um yeah, and for me, it was like, you know, I started working more at your brother's, then I started working full-time at your brother's, and I got a puppy, and we started recording late to the party again, and the Hawkeye and Mandalorian came back for the first time since Loki, all basically at the same time, and so now it's like February 7th or whatever, and I'm just like, God, I'm wore out, man. It's tough. Like everything, I, everything is like settled at this point, like we got two weeks left to Boba Fett, 
or one week left of Boba Fett. We're chilling. You know, work is, is calming down. I'm used to it. Pickles is sort of mellowing out a little tiny bit. And we're getting back in a rhythm with the party. It's all kind of settling down. And I'm just now looking around like, I was holding my breath for a while there, man. Like, um, So, like, I'm stoked that this week we got to watch a Wes Anderson movie. And last week we got to watch a movie but almost entirely about fly fishing. We're just vibing. And next week we get to watch a horror about a high school girl eating men. I don't think it's a horror. A thriller? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's scary. Like, I don't think you're going to watch it. Also, we don't have to do it. I think we do. You responded pretty wild when I, cause I was like, I was like, yo, we could do Jennifer's body because in the past you were like, man, I should watch Jennifer's body on this podcast. And you were like, I have little interest in seeing Jennifer's body. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's how you meant it when you said, I'm doubting it's how you meant it when I said it, when you said it, but when I read it. And you said, I have little interest in watching Jennifer's body. I was like, okay, man, sorry. The brain worms got me big on that one. I was just like, oh, I offended him. No, Which is probably, and honestly, not in any way the case I'm imagining. Or if it was, it was just a weird moment for you. Um, no, I just, uh, I mean, we don't do a lot of like that sort of genre of stuff. Yeah, but so it was definitely you, one of those ones where I was like, he keeps bringing this movie up. I mean, I'll watch it. Whatever. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. It was just your your reaction was so shocking to me that I was like, oh God, okay, maybe he hates I this think, movie. I, I do want to know. I want to see Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried in a movie together. I want to see whatever causes Jeff Daniels to be like, I'm going to cut your fucking dick off, bro. Is Jeff Daniels in Jennifer's body? I think so. I think he's the dad. I, sure. Why not? Might not be Jeff Daniels. Somebody like Jeff Daniels. Um, Jeff Daniels could play me in the movie of my life. Yeah, and then eventually we're going to watch this really uh, dark Batman movie that's coming out. Pat Bat. Pat Bat. Gonna yeah, it looks really good. Um, but I'm enjoying like three this hours kind of, long. I'm enjoying this vibey week. We've not week this vibey period we've got going on. Oh, and we've also got Timoera Morrison being like, "All right, well, I'm the Boba I'm the Fett. daimyo. I'm the daimyo. Gonna be the daimyo, and you and I, we're not gonna fight." I didn't like. Uh, I'm not gonna spoil Boba Fett on this. So show. I, uh, I've been taking this class on how to use Adobe Illustrator because it's like the yeah. one Adobe Suite program that I don't know how to use at this point, um, and I need it every, from time to time to to make my my cool little motion graphics. Uh -huh. like I had to I had to make a Pokeball the other day and I didn't know how to make a Pokeball in Adobe Illustrator. So I, I, I bought a class on Udemy for like 11 bucks. And the guy that presents it is from New Zealand and has that like Boba Fett accent. And he's just like, so what are you going to do here? You're going to grab the lasso tool and we're going to draw it around this shape. And then you in this shape are going to have a lot of fun together. And I'm just like sitting there falling <laughs> asleep, just like, man, this is so... Uh, I'm the daimyo? I'm the daimyo of, of Adobe Illustrator. Have you seen that British, that white British comedian talking about the first time he met a Maori? No. I'll have to find it on TikTok. I said he's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. He's like in Australia or New Zealand, in New Zealand, I guess, like doing a show. And he's just like, you people have Maori. They're massive. <laughs> and they just look down at you like, don't be scared, prof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ethan, it's time to talk it's scores. It's time to talk scores, which means I got to do math. I am punching numbers into a spreadsheet. I am not anywhere near close to that. Just Tyler, while what yeah. while you do while I do this, why don't you read us some listener reviews of this movie? Sure, sure. Let me pull them up on my cell phone cuz Discord never works on my uh uh computer. Sales to steam in your belly. Are you listening to Jimmy Buffett right now? You have How do you listen to music while we do this show? Uh, when you said banana pancakes, I put on banana pancakes radio and it's been on the whole time. Is this? And actually, this, I'm listening to Jack Johnson. Tyler, I think Matthews. this is your ADHD superpower. <laughs> Why? Because I couldn't do that, man. <laughs> I could not participate in this podcast. 
People think I'm crazy because I listen what? to podcasts and play video games at the same no, time. No, I think but you're you crazy podcast and listen to because music at the same time. I think you're crazy because you take a sip of water, hold it in your cheeks, and keep talking to oh me. Oh my god, why do you have to keep <laughs> putting me on blast about this thing that I do on subconsciously? I've done it my whole life. I can't help it. Uh, I've got a review here from the Mighty Toothless. 88 out of 100. As a yawn. It was my first Wes Anderson movie, and I've never looked back. We're going to review here from fellow CNU captain Ashton Stout. What? Hi, Ashton. Uh, 90 out of 100, my second Wes Anderson film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The score is fantastic. I've got a score here from Go Tori on the Mountain, the number one greatest Discord nickname I've ever assigned. Uh, 100 out of 100, this movie is perfect. Um, that totally lines up for former Latter-day Saint li- still lives in Utah. For I me. am a Latter-day Saint. I help for all mankind. I believe the Lord God created the universe. I used to be able to hit that note, man. I used to be able to hit that note. I could probably still do it. Not quietly. I believe. Ah, it's not there. Not quietly. It's not there. Not in an apartment at 10.45 p.m. I'm in a dungeon. Anyway, see- go Tori on the mountain. Oh, you already read the review. Never mind. Uh, this Never mind. movie Never is mind. perfect. 100 out of 100. Okay. Uh, okay. Are you okay. ready? I've got a, li- I've got a list- li- listener score. Listener. Why does that word have a T in it? Listener. It's a, Nobody it says listener. From, it comes from the root Listerine. Yeah. Which is an anagram it's of the, listener. It's the sauce that you drink and then your mouth sounds funny. I would say the sauce is boss. The sauce is boss. <laughs> I've got a listener score. Okay. It's 89.25. 89.25 brings the total value to 89.4125, which of course rounds down to an 89, which on the big board puts that it- That makes it uh, the daimyo. Makes it the daimyo. Makes it just above White Christmas, just below Tick Tick Boom, which I would say is a totally fair uh, yeah, landing I, spot. I I think I, I don't know that I liked this as much as White Christmas, but I don't like it as much <laughs> as Tick Tick Boom. I didn't like this. No, I didn't like White Christmas nearly as much as this. Yeah, I like White Christmas a lot more than you do. But I, I love would... Tick, Tick, Boom. Although, in fact, I think I gave that a, an unironic 100. Not in the you way that I tick, gave tick, an ironic 100 to uh, He's the Man by featuring Addison Ray. <laughs> Addison I've Ray came up on my For You page the other day, and I was like, man, I really gave this, this girl 100 out of 100 on bacon and eggs. I've used the phrase she was doing that like douche come and go brah, but you know I stay sound I uh I, I you ever come across creators like that and you're like I have no idea what popular TikTok looks like I have no idea that's the closest I think I've ever gotten to popular TikTok and 90% of the reason I know that sound is because of girls doing it to their dogs and the other 10% is that animated video of Grogu and the Mandalorian doing it to each other <laughs> Um, where baby, where Luke is uh, levitating a bunch of Kermit the Frogs for Baby Yoda to eat. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know what popular TikTok looks like, man. I, I guess when they did that love story thing where they pushed the skateboard back, that was pretty close. Mm. All right, Ethan, I need you to take us out. All right, Tyler, I can take you out. Bacon and Egg is a production of the WBNE Podcast Network. For more podcasts like the one you're listening to and other great podcasts, go to WBNE.org right now or look for any of our shows wherever podcasts are sold or given away for free. Uh, if you want to hear some thoughts about an, another Wes Anderson movie, you can listen to the episode I did with uh, Ines Fuenmayor of 
uh, uh, sincerely us about Grand Budapest and also about Isle of Dogs. And um, you can also listen to Ines Fuenmayor and Casey Winters talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox on the archive episodes of Hello from Elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Anyway, this is uh, this is a preview right now for Sincerely Us. Uh, Eni, we miss you big time and I hope you're doing well. Um, Dear listener, today's going to be a good day and here's why. Because today we have found your new favorite podcast. Do you like all things musical theater? Or do you just like Hamilton? Then Sincerely Us is perfect for you. We take deep dives into modern musicals and teach you all that you need to know. From props and sets. To playwrights and composers. We will get you caught up on all things Broadway. We are Becca and Eni, two best friends. Here to teach you all about the shows that we love. Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. Join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and on WBNE.org. Our graphics are by Vaishon Brandon. Vaishon Designs on Instagram. Our music by Andrew Scott Bell. AndrewScottBellMusic.com if you need music or podcast graphics. Uh, hit either of those people up. They do wonderful work and they do it quickly. Um, I love both of them. They're dear, dear friend of mine. And another dear friend of mine is Tyler Carlin, the co-host of this show. And on behalf of Tyler Carlin, until next time, Arrivederci. Uh, quote, unquote, fantastic, Mr. Fox. <laughs>